Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Just just before you sit down, just before you sit down. So uh, tonight we got Pastor Neil Smith, who's the International Director of Planet Shakers, with us, going to minister to us. Um, you know, just sitting talking to Pastor Neil, you know, we've known each other about 20 years now, right? It seems like the other day. And uh, that we met in South Africa. He's a great friend. Planet Shake is a great friend of CRC and Pastor Art. So extremely close with Pastor Russell Evans and Pastor Art. There's a great and amazing working relationship. And you know, he's done incredible work. He's, uh, you know, we're just talking about the church that he planted, Lakes, right here, which is now Kingdom City, which and, and all those buildings you purchased, etc. Incredible. Uh, he's done incredible work throughout the nations, doing an incredible thing. So we honor God for the gift of God. And we th- you know, we just thank God, just thinking about, you know, you were, you were reminding me of when we first met, all right? I thought, oh, I forgot about that one. But uh, it's really so great to have you here. And uh, we really do honor you. And we, we thank God for the gift of God. And we thank God that, that you're a faithful man who served God. You've served the nations. You've you've served in, uh, uh, Pastor Russell in Planet Shakers. You're doing an incredible work. And we really do honor God for the gift that is in your life. So won't you just give Pastor Neil Smith a great big round of applause as he comes up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There we go. Good evening. How are you? I'm a Perth boy. Some of you may know that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just funny just hearing from Pastor right now that I, uh, I grew up in my teenage years in Kingsley. And then uh, my first house that I lived in was in Woodvale. We planted our church in Woodvale Kindergarten. And after four months, we had to move out because we had we had to take the stand outside. So it only sat about 60 people, but it had about 120 people. And then we bought the building next door. Oh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> scary, scary story. <laughs> but God came through, which was awesome. And, uh, and I used to walk on this land, I was just telling him, and pray. And I used to ask, Lord, can you give me this land? It was a market gardener. And uh, so I got it for you. So you need to thank me for that. (laughs) I'm not talking once. I'm talking year after year. I used to walk on this land. And in fact, the market gardener guy who's now passed away kicked me off a few times. What are you doing walking on my land? And I just shunda bunda bunda to him and uh, and, uh, we would move on. But uh, it's a great privilege to be with you. And... uh, and, you know, Pastor Clive and Sharon, it's, uh, it's, it really is a privilege, my privilege to be with you tonight. I'm here visiting family and, uh, and Pastor Clive, I said, I want to see the building. We talked about it pre-COVID and, and uh, I love buildings. I, the reason is because they're hard to get. But once you get them, you can establish great things for the kingdom. And, uh, and so I, I never take for granted walking around buildings, looking at a beautiful building like this. And, uh, and just think about it. Thousands can come to Christ. Already have, but there's a lot more to come And uh, because of what you established. So I, I do want to honour you because I know the role you played. And in fact, next week I'm at your Dream Week conference in, in CRC in South Africa. And, uh, and, and uh, we'll be with all those guys over there. But of course, the first person that I actually met was 
actually your pastor. And uh, when I went to preach in a tent in Pretoria, before they even had the building in Pretoria, it was hot too. Man, it was hot. I want to tell you, I, I went to suit, there were the suit and tie days and I had suit and tie on and I, it was like rivers of living water were running the whole time I was preaching. So all I can remember. i got no idea what I preached, no idea what happened, um, but it was great. And so I want to honour your pastors because they've come to Perth in the last seven years and uh, done what they've and this is just the beginning. I, I get this sense. And trust me, I, I preach about 30 weeks a year in different churches around the globe. And I just get a sense that you're on the verge of something here. Not because of our conversation, just in the meeting. And uh, I was loving it. I, I love that your two kids as well, Carmen, I haven't met you. But wow, what a set of pipes she's got. I mean, we're from Planet Shakers and we like music and she can sing. And uh, that's awesome. And... David, my goodness. I've never met David before, but he should be an orator, you know, for, for like Disney movies or something. He's just got that voice. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, he could also maybe be King Neptune or something in one of those movies. He's got that look about him. But seriously, it's my privilege to be with you tonight. And uh, CRC is my family. So pardon me if I say our church as I'm preaching tonight, because I don't come as a guest and I am a guest and I'm honoured to be your guest, but I come with the Word of the Lord and I want you to lift into the place that God has purposed for you tonight. So would you just pray with me for a moment? God, we thank you for this privilege we have to come around your Word tonight. We're not here to play games. We're not here just to hear something that sounds good. We're here to hear from you tonight. So Jesus, as we heard those words, as we sung those words, the power that is in your name. I pray that you would move in people's lives in this place tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? Funny story as well. About 100 metres down the road, I'd had my licence five days and I had the biggest accident of my life. Ran into an MTT bus, which now they're called Trans Perth, I think, but back in the day it was called MTT. And I uh, rode off my car. But that's a whole other story. Huh? Let's not get into that. If you've got a Bible, you can turn with me to the book of two kings. So I want to go to the Old Testament tonight. And uh, it goes well with some of the songs that were sung. There's that sense of, uh, you know, what God wants to do and what He's planning to do in this place. But uh, it's set in a time in the Bible where it's in a land called Samaria. And Samaria was... Uh, at this stage, the people of Israel, they, they were actually living in the, within the walls, a fortified city. And a fortified city was there to protect you. But at that time, there was also a famine in the land. I love preaching at CRC because they give you such, so much foldback. I love it. Go to so many churches around the world and I'm like, I can't hear myself. In CRC, it's like feedback everywhere. I love it. It's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Art, all the people that demand it. I just receive it in Jesus' name. Can feel this, the sound coming through me. Oh, I love it. I love it. But in Samaria at this time, there was a famine in the land. And you know, we need to understand that the Old Testament is written in context of stories, but it's also using them as metaphors of how we're to live our lives. And in this story, it's said in Samaria, and we need to understand the time. We need to understand that these people were living in a fortified city and which was a good place to live when you were outside of famine. But when you're in famine, who knows being tied up and not knowing what's coming next and whether you're gonna live or you're gonna die, 
is a bad place. Mm, sounds a little like something most of us went through for two or three years. But you know, it needs someone to rise up and do something to actually break the famine. And I believe that you're on the verge of breaking the famine. But you need to understand that you are on the verge of breaking the famine. It doesn't require someone in the city who's caught up with what's happening, with what the limitations are, what the problems are. It needs someone with a God possibility in their heart and their mind to rise up in a time of famine. And I wanna tell you that there is a time of spiritual famine. There's so many experts in our country right now and it's obvious that none of them have a clue what's going on. Because what takes place is they, they, they make a statement about whether it be health or the economy or and they say something and who knows if you'd leave it just for a month, it's totally wrong what they said and they find another expert. And I'm not against experts, I'm just saying the reality is we're not supposed to know the time, He knows the time. And if we know Him, then we can step into what He has purposed for us. And so in this passage of Scripture, we pick it up and we pick it up with some of the people that are the least likely to do something great in the economy of God. And I want you to understand that as well, because if it's a metaphor of who you are, stop saying, who am I? Start saying, who am I? I am a son, I am a daughter of the living God and I'm purposed therefore to do something great. In 2 Kings chapter seven, it says, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. Leprosy was obviously a disease. <coughs> Excuse me. Was obviously a disease. I don't have one. Definitely don't have COVID in case anybody's wondering. Had about 19 tests. I just came from Malaysia. And, uh, but, but I, I, you know, had leprosy. And leprosy was a disease that was so unknown and so, but nobody knew what to do that they actually cast these men outside the city because one thing was known, it was contagious. And the problem was that what seemed to happen was body parts tended to fall off and things bad happened to people who had leprosy. So when we don't know what to do, we outcast, we isolate, we push away. And so they put these guys outside of the city walls. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. At dusk they got up and they went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of a camp, not a man was there for the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and they fled in the dusk and they abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took something things from it and hit them also. Then they said, and this is the pinnacle thing, then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is the day of good news. Now, good news is only talked about one other occasion in the Old Testament. We know of good news. The other occasion in the Old Testament isn't the same reference, but this is the same reference. So if you get the metaphor, the way to actually see a breakthrough when there's a famine in the land, when there's a problem, when there's a circumstance, is to come with 
the good news, not just any good news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we keep it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. So let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So a few observations here. Here's some men that are, have leprosy. They're afflicted. They're living with an affliction, not sure what they should do. They're outcasts. And they have a reason to complain and to moan and uh, talk about what's not happening in their lives. The fact that they've been outcasts, they could take it out on the people. But sometimes when you've gone through persecution is when you are best prepared to actually rise up. Because you see, you've got nothing to lose. And many people in this recent season have complained about all the things that have happened. But church, I want to remind you that when we look in the Bible and there is famine, when Gideon was in famine, when Ruth was in famine, when Joseph was in famine, when Elijah was in famine, they rose up and God used them to do something powerful. So we need to recognise that we are the church of Jesus Christ with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been through persecution, but oh, it's our time to rise up and break the famine. It's our time to be those people and step into what God has purposed for us. So I wanna just take a few things out of this scripture and I wanna help you, the individual. Because when we think about we're gonna break something, if we're not careful, we can get caught up on us, the church. But us, the church, is you, and it's you, and it's you. And we gotta be careful that when we hear things, we don't hear them in a plural sense, and we discount ourselves from being the solution that God has. God wants to use you. God is stirring something in you because He wants to use you. So I wanna read these Scriptures and break them down again. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? So the premise is they want to live. They recognise if they stay outside, the food scraps coming over the wall isn't going to be enough for them, so they will die. So if we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. So their option so far is to go back and they die. And if we stay here, we will die. Die, die. So let's go over the camp of Armenians. Remember, the Armenians are the enemy. And they say that there would have been somewhere like 100,000 to half a million assembled soldiers, the largest army on earth at the time. And their job was to take out their enemy. So these guys were their enemy and their plan was to go to the enemy's camp. It doesn't make sense in the natural. Why would you do that? So they die, they die. Or let's go to the enemy's camp and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. So here's the options. We die, we die, we maybe live, or we die. Woohoo, that's the experience. And that's what I wanna finish with tonight. Come on, let's pray. Such a powerful, exciting, encouraging scripture to hear from tonight. But I want you to understand that that is the journey of faith. If you recognise who you are, you're not living until you actually take a step for the purposes of God. If you don't actually take a step, all you're gonna do is die. We need to recognise that we are not playing church. This is a spiritual battle. The reason we have all night prayer meetings is because we're believing as we begin to pray, we're gonna break something in the heavenly realms and we're gonna step into something new in God. If we truly believe that, then we're prepared to put it all on the line and see what God's about to do. And in this case, God's about to do something great. Die, die, 
maybe live, die. When I was six years of age, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to preach the gospel. I'm staying with my mother here at the moment and she's still the same today. My father passed away about four years ago and she still rings me every time I preach. She was going to come tonight, but she's feeling a little sick, so she didn't. But I can guarantee you when I pull in the driveway and I go home, she'll ask me the same question as she did when I was six. When I was six, I used to come home from school on Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. The reason was because for a few, for about 12 months, I'd been asking my pastor, my children's church pastor, people in my church, when am I going to preach? Sometimes the pastor would get guest speakers like me and I'd go up to him after the service. I'd say, he was good, but I can preach as good as him. Why don't you get me up to preach? And he kept saying, you're very young. And, you know, and he, 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 actually I could see him. He, even as a young kid, he'd avoid me eventually because what do I say to this kid? So we get so concerned when the pastor doesn't notice us and when we can't do something. But as a six-year-old, I thought, right, you're not going to give me a pulpit. I'm going to preach myself. So I'd get home from school every day and I'd say to mum, mum, I'm going down to my bedroom. I'm going to shut the door. Don't let anybody in for an hour because I'm going to have my own church. And I'd walk in the door and I don't know for anybody who's here who grew up in the area of praise and worship, but I would lead my own praise and worship. And back then, it was always males. I'm not sure why. Sorry, girls. And, uh, and, but they'd always lead like this. Nothing in their hand even, but they'd lead like this and sing these old choruses. So that's what I'd do. But not only that, I had my overhead projector. Who remembers the overhead projector? I mean, who needs screens like this and LED screens? Overhead projectors all the way. And what happened to the overhead projectionists that took up the whole row with all their slides? And if you touched them, you got in big trouble. I used to as a kid. But I just got a cardboard box and a broom and pretended I had my overhead, put my acetates on and lead the worship. And, Oh, and I forgot to tell you, I had like 12, 13 teddy bears that I used to line up against the back wall in my bedroom. And I would preach these guys. They literally could, like had third year degrees in, in Bible college after this period. But at the end, I'd do an altar call and salvation altar call. And, and, and they'd always put their hands up. It's amazing, incredible. I had great faith for it. I'd go down and I'd lift their little hand up and, oh, I see that hand. Yes, praise God. Then I'd get them and bring them forward and sit them down and pray. And then I'd pray at the end and the power of God had fallen and people would go down under the power, teddy bears lying out. And I'd leave. I'd had enough after about an hour as a six-year-old. And I'd say, stay in the presence of God. God can still touch you. And I'd go up. And I'd get to the, I'd get to the refrigerator and mum would ask me this question. How'd you go today? Oh, two got saved. Power of God was incredible. She'd say, that's great, love, fantastic. And I tell you, that's exactly what she'll say to me tonight as I go to the fridge when I get home. But the truth was, there was something that was growing in me at that age. And I understood faith was required. I didn't understand, but I understood. You can stay where you are, but nothing is going to change. So the options are you go back to where you came from. There's an amazing draw by the enemy to take you back where you came from. He always tells you how much better it was at that church, how much better it was in that situation, how God had used you over there. And and there's this sense of why aren't I being used here? And you want it to be taken back. 
But I want to tell you, it's never what you thought it was back there. We need to recognise in the book of Ephesians, it doesn't say a backplate of righteousness. There is no backplate in those armies that they're talking about. Why? Because they were caused to walk forward if they were going to advance God's kingdom. And there was nothing on the back because there was no turning back. We need to recognise there's no option for us to go back to where we came from. Hey, there's been a pandemic, but you know what? There's great new opportunities ahead of us. We're in a new world, exactly. That's awesome. I'm going to take every moment I have. People are getting desperate for Jesus like they weren't before the pandemic. Thank God for that. I'm going to take that and I'm going to see something change in my city. Last weekend, average weekend, not a special weekend, we saw 320 people make decisions for Christ in our church. In Australia, hey, we can talk about it in other parts, but in Australia, we know that's a miracle. But I wanna tell you, there's, there's, some, there's a hunger starting to rise. But I could talk to you about eight weeks ago and we were really struggling to see anybody get saved. But we just started to pray and believe God was gonna change something, change the spiritual atmosphere. We didn't go back and say, well, we're in a different era now, what can we do? And we just have to live with it. No, we're going forward in the purposes of God. But as a young boy, I understood, I, I couldn't just stand where I was. Where I was standing was, was okay, but I'm six, I'm getting old, I need to start preaching. Life's going passing me by. And as funny as that is, now I stand on stages and 80,000 get saved and 25,000 get saved. And, and just a few weeks ago, we saw 46,000 make decisions for Christ as we stood on the stage. But to me, it's no different to being in my lounge room with the teddy bears, as funny as it is. I practiced and I practiced and I was practiced because I've learned being a king, which we're all called to be. You're either a king in waiting, you're a king in ruling, you're still a king. If you're born a king, you're born a queen, you're always gonna step into it at the right time. So right now is either practice or reality, but either way, you're still a king and a queen. So, so I stepped out and I said, okay, I don't wanna stay where I am. I don't wanna go back because I die. If I stay where I am, I die. So the only option is to go to where? The enemy's camp, the enemy's gonna kill me. That's the whole point. It's time for us to take back what the enemy has stolen. It's time for us to recognise that marriage breakdown isn't good enough. It's time for us to recognise teenagers aren't all going to go on drugs. Some of them are going to serve the Lord and going to change nations. And, and they're going to do things that we've prophesied and talked about for years. Ask of me and I'll give the nations, it says in the book of Psalms. I don't just read it, I believe it. We're going to take cities like Perth for the cause of Christ. I went up to Bullsbrook and when I was 18 years of age and, and I fell off and broke my arm at a camp and we went out for a week far fasting and praying and my friend said to me we're fasting and praying for God to do miracles you got a broken arm and a cast come on let's pray for your arm and he prayed for me I had no faith whatsoever but he had a lot of faith he said it's healed I said how do we know he goes take the cast off and uh, my mum wasn't very happy about it but I took the cast off and I want to tell you I got totally healed never had a problem with that arm since but it was the rawness of God that's what it says in your word are we going to Come on, church, there's things it says in His Word that we haven't seen for years. I saw two men get out of wheelchairs in May in Fiji, a man who had been in his wheelchair for 14 years and his whole community's running around as we're praying and he jumps out of his wheelchair, starts running around the room. 
I want that in Australia. I want that in my community. But it's not going to happen by going back. It's not going to happen by staying where we are. It's going to be people who say, I'm going to step out. I might die. I might live. But for your cause, God, it's time for us to put it on the line again. Buildings like this don't just happen. Buildings down the road don't just happen. Put our whole houses on the line, put all sorts of things on the line, sold cars. And now we look at them and we go, isn't that great? It was hard, but it was us saying, I'm not going back. I'm not staying where I am. God, I don't want to take up too much space in this life. I'm going to take a step of faith. When you give Him that offering, isn't it amazing how the bill that you didn't know was coming always comes on the Monday after you gave on the Sunday? God, why didn't you give me that bill on Friday? I wouldn't have put so much in. Exactly. I'm getting older and the older you get, the slower you move. I'm starting to understand God even more. Old people move slowly. He moves very slowly. When I need God to come through for something, it's like, God! And He comes through at the 11th hour, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, but He always comes through. If you don't put yourself out there, how do you know? We want the miracle, but we don't want to take the step. We've got to be those people like these four lepers. They had nothing to lose. So they said, come on, let's get out of our comfort zone. And where did they walk? Into the desert, a place of isolation, into a place where they were persecuted, into a place where they could die. And where were they walking? Towards the enemy's camp. Come on, church. This isn't just about tickle me, let's have a good time at church. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is about us stepping into what God has purposed for us. It's about us stepping into something greater than we've ever been. And for us to do that and to see what He wants to do, we've got to be people that exercise faith. The second thing is God always makes a way where there is no way for those who take a step. He's always making a way. Look at this. (coughs) At dusk. Excuse me. They got up and they went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. Hang on a second. They took a step and they didn't know. But when they arrived, now they've got a story that the whole camp cleaned out. And the Bible says when they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there for the Lord had caused, listen, the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear a sound. The lepers didn't hear a sound. Only the Armenians heard the sound. This is a miracle in itself. And over half a million assembled men don't just send out the spotter and say, there's, a, there's an, a, an enemy coming. They actually don't even send out a spotter. They're so scared by the loudness of the noise that the Bible says they run away. You're understanding that if you do something for God, if you take a step, if you take a step of faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What that means, if you take a step towards the enemy's camp, then God's gonna clear a way where there is no way. But many of us want Him to clear away where we want that new Porsche or we want that new holiday house or we, and we've, we've lost perspective of who God is. God wants us to focus on the enemy's camp with the gospel in our hands, speaking into people's lives and He'll take care of the rest. I'm not against those things. I'm just saying to you, we've got to make sure that we understand who God is in our lives and we step out in His purpose and His plan. Whew. The great army, so they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and they fled in the dusk and they abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. 
One of the reasons that we don't want to fight, we don't even want to take a step of faith is because of weariness. And I declare all weariness is gone from this weekend on. David was talking about it in the offering, that weariness was there when you think about prayer. But I want to tell you, when you start doing what God has purposed you to do, you do get energised. It's like this whole story. It's like reverse of what we think in the natural, but this is how God operates. Go back, you die. Stay where you are and be conservative, you die. Step out in an act of faith and God comes through for you. But we live with the thought that we're going to die. I want to tell you that God's got some energy that He wants to put into each of you. He wants you to break out of this weariness, break out of this fear, break out of this lethargy that's held you back and looking at the rest of the pop. And people are going to look at you without you even speaking words and say, what is it about you that's different? And at that moment, you can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because you're not doing anything different, you're doing everything different. And you're stepping into what God has purposed for you. So I declare over each of your knives weariness to go. In 2015, Pastor Russell Evans and myself were on our way back from Europe in a plane. And as we often do, we were just having a conversation. It started to go towards the Bible and we came to that passage of Scripture that says, freely you have received, so freely you should give. We were just talking about how we'd been in front of large crowds and how we'd been blessed in First world nations paid for, for all sorts of events and opportunities. And God had really favoured us, but with privilege comes responsibility. And you're privileged here tonight. You're privileged. We're privileged to live in Perth, West Australia. You are privileged. Come with me to some of the, the back blocks of Papua New Guinea. Come with me next week to some of the back blocks of South Africa. Come with me to Vietnam or some of the places I was just in a part of Malaysia. It was terrible what was happening. We take for granted how good we've got it. But we've got to remember that with privilege comes responsibility. Freely I have received, so freely you should give. So Russell looked at me in the plane. He said, Neil, we need to do something just because, not ask for anything. We need to go to one of the nations around us. So we started to focus, long story short, on the South Pacific, to a place called Papua New Guinea. Some of you will know of that place and Fiji and some of these other places, but we did it with the mindset of, we're not gonna take anything, we're only gonna give. So I get some business people together, five business people. I thought it's better than getting five pastors together because they'll be all asking me who's going to preach. I wanted to get some guys together. How do we actually take this nation? So for two days, we met in a hotel and we talked and came up with this idea, write a letter to the prime minister of the country and ask him if we can bring an envoy to talk about how we can partner and help lift the country. I thought it was a great idea in part because I thought he's never going to respond to me writing him a letter. So I'm like, God, I've done all that you asked me to do because Pastor Russell was cool. He was like, come on, let's do something great in another region. But he gave me no resource, no staff, no anything. And he said, come on, let's do something. Oh, great. I think, thanks. Thanks for all the help. But you want to understand serving the purposes of God, it's about faith. Faith is a substance. It's not a real thing. The substance of things hoped for. But when you get that, you can step into something like you've never been before. It's your time, CRC, to step into something like you've never been before. Not just collectively, but you individually and you individually. When you pray for that sick person, you see them healed. When you pray for that contract, it's bigger than you could have expected. So I wrote to the Prime Minister. 10 days later, he writes back, I would love to see you. I was like, my gosh. 
I didn't think he would. I don't know what I'm gonna say. Welcome to church life. One step at a time, walking through the desert, don't hear a sound, don't know that God's taking care of it, but he'll make a way where there is no way if you just trust him. And I'm stepping and we arrive in the nation and the day we arrive, it's a vote of no confidence in parliament of the prime minister. What that simply means is he won, but he couldn't meet us the day we arrived. So I get a call from his chief of staff, can't meet him. And on the phone, I'm like, you're joking. We've come all this way. I've got all these people. I paid all this money. Yeah, welcome to the kingdom. But God's making a way. He's doing something you can't see. He's working on your behalf, in your family. That backslider, that kid that's away from God's coming back. He's coming back. Keep believing, keep praying. And, and, and anyway, so I, I sat in this, this restaurant waiting for one of his cabinet members, his finance minister to come. And he comes to me and he sits and he's, I stand up and I say, nice to meet you, sir. And he looks at me and he says, sir, I've only got 15 minutes because there's a lot going on in parliament today. And I did the Christian thing of, oh, thank you very much for your time. But internally, I'm like, are you joking? I just paid for five airfares. I'm standing here and you're gonna give me 15 minutes. Who do you think you are? You're just the finance minister. But I didn't say that. I said, oh, that's fantastic. Sat down. An hour and 45 minutes later, we were still talking. James said to me, Neil, if you do some of the things you're talking about, it could change our nation. I want to help you. Well, in the middle of the pandemic, I get a text from my friend James, who I met every time I went after that. And he said, don't tell anybody, but here's the picture of me signing with the Governor General. They've just made me the Prime Minister. Something happened in Parliament today. And he just a week ago got voted in for another five years. He was the Prime Minister. He just had the tag, Finance Minister. You are what God has purposed you to do right now. You might have a tag here, but don't look at the tag. Look at the purpose. Look at who God is. He's making a way where there is no way. You may feel like you're walking through the desert. You may feel like there's an assembled army and how you're gonna get through, but you will get through because if you go back, you die. If you stay where you are, you die. The only option you have is, ah, maybe I live, maybe I die, but I'm gonna step into what God has for me. I wanna show you a video. This is actually 2017. We just had another big event just last uh, three weeks ago in PNG, but I wanna show you this because this is the video that's assembled. We haven't assembled a new one, but just have a look. This is just some of the stuff we're doing so you get an idea of what's taking place. 2015, God spoke to us about playing a part in discipling the nation of Papua New Guinea. He gave us a word, believe. And with that word, we walked into a country we had never been to before. But as God went before us, doors flung wide open in every sphere and we encountered divine favour and such incredible influence. This August, we brought almost 300 people to P&G to impact the spheres of leadership, education, business, health, and the church. We sent teams to three different regions. In Port Moresby, the nation's capital, we ran regional rallies and saw over 5,000 people attend and witnessed 1,500 decisions for Christ. In the region of Ley, over 20,000 people came out to our rallies and over 3,000 people 
people were led to Christ. In Kimbe, we saw 25,000 people attend across three nights, with 8,000 making decisions for Christ. Many were healed and delivered and set free. Throughout those two weeks, our teams also went to primary schools, secondary schools, prisons, hospitals, and halfway houses, carrying the love of Jesus and the redemptive power of the gospel. Our primary schools team went into 45 schools and were able to speak to 48,600 children. Our teams also visited 28 high schools and ran our program with about 25,000 students. The response to the message was also overwhelming as young people made a stand to change the future of a generation, making a commitment to change the way they spoke to and treated one another. In each region, we visited the prison there and saw almost every prisoner give their life to Jesus. The trip finished with the night celebrations in the National Stadium, where we saw over 200,000 people attend and over 110,000 respond to the message of the gospel. Thousands healed and miracles as we stood with the people of Papua New Guinea to lift up the name of Jesus and declare a new chapter for the nation. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched by the power of God. Every missionary has returned with a testimony, a story to tell of lives changed. We believe that a nation is turning to Jesus. We believe it will be saved. Amen. But you know, since that time, we've also been to Fiji and we've had numerous events all around the nation there. We just had more this year in May. We thought COVID's just finished. We were the first event in Fiji ever since COVID and they had COVID stronger than anywhere else. And, and uh, But we had over 30,000 people come out over two nights and we saw incredible things. That's where we saw two people jump out of wheelchairs. And, and, and then in PNG, we booked the National Stadium again and the Prime Minister came. He's been voted in for one week. He's been in for four weeks now. But one week he'd been voted in and he came to the night event, sat through the whole night event. We got him up at the end. He prayed and we sung the national anthem and said the next five years. And he turned to me and he said, this feels like my inauguration, but it's a good godly inauguration rather than just one with a whole heap of people. The largest crowd he'd ever spoken to. We were able to pray for them. I want to tell you, it all started with writing a letter to a prime minister going, will he even respond? Oh, he didn't even show up. But God. God's making a way where there is no way. 669,000 people have now attended our events. Over 350,000 have made decisions for Christ. We've been face to face with 225,000 high school students in schools. And it's going on and on. And COVID was there for two and a half years. So just in four and a half years, imagine what God can do in the next 10 years. Freely we have received, we didn't take a cent. But when you position yourself by God, you don't go back to where you came from. You don't go, well, this is all I can do. This is what I've always done. I'm just hanging on. (sighs) God, this is our time to step up in a season of famine and step into what you have for me. But the thing that I love about this scripture is they arrive at the camp in verse eight. And then the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them also. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it. Remember the premise was all they wanted was to live. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added unto you. But many people are trying to get everything added unto them, even in the church, and then I'll serve the Lord. I wanna tell you, if you put Him first, if you give Him your all, He's gonna come through for you. My kids don't do without. My circumstances aren't bad. I've been on great holidays, but my focus is lifting up the name of Jesus. My focus is building and establishing a kingdom here on earth. And He wants you to do the same. Church isn't really alive until you bring a friend. When you come to church and you got a friend, you do church totally differently. When the pastor's preaching really good and you don't have a friend, oh, great word, amen, yes, fantastic. When your friend's there, you're looking at your friend. And you're hoping the pastor doesn't turn to the Old Testament. He goes to some really relevant passage because your friend's there. Then you're also hoping that the worship leader doesn't go off on some tangent, start speaking about the Holy Ghost. Oh, the Holy Ghost. It's like, I've got a friend here. What are you talking about? But it's a great picture of when you step out in faith, you're not in control. I did it recently with a friend. He lives three doors down in my apartment block. Terence, he's had a divorce, been through a tough situation. He shows up at church. He says, I don't wanna sit with you. I said, I'll move down the back. No, no, because you're a profile person. So everybody will think I'm a profile person. I just wanna be by myself. So I got him a good seat sort of halfway down the back. And all I could think through every song, every word, oh, what they say that for? Oh, the announcements are going too long. I can't believe they're doing. Then Russell gets up, Pastor Russell, and preaches the most obscure passage of scripture I've ever heard. I didn't even know if it was in the Bible. I'm thinking, did you make that up? And I'm thinking, Terence must think this guy. We go out to lunch and I say, you know, after we're talking small talk, I say, what did you think, Terence? He goes, how good was that speaker? I said, why? He goes, he read in the Bible and he found a passage. You know how I showed you that 400 year Bible that I bought when I was a young boy and I've kept it and you have to get white kid gloves to get it out of his cabinet. He's not saved, he's religious, but he's not saved. He said, that is my favourite verse in the Bible. I read it all the time. I'm thinking, well, thank God for that. It's not in my Bible, it's in yours, but we'll take it. God will make a way where there is no way. God's on your case. God's going before you. All you have to play is by His rules. Don't go back to where you came from. Don't stay where you are. Take a step and you will have it all added unto you. But it's added. It's not at the start. Ah, What if I give the money and I don't have any money? Welcome to the club. Ah, What if I pray for something that I don't get healed? Welcome to the club. I told you about the healing of the wheelchair. When I was in Myanmar, I prayed for a guy for nearly an hour and he didn't get out of the wheelchair. I nearly dragged him out of the wheelchair. So often we hear the highlights, but we forget that our growth and development path is just here and obey, here and obey, not here and results, here and results, it's here and obey, here and obey. And somewhere along the way, you start to have these things added unto you. I never wanted to speak at a national stadium, but in one night I preached and over 100,000 people lifted their hands and said yes to Jesus. 10 times more than what I'd seen in my whole ministry before that. But if you'd asked me, I'd say, I'm not going out. I'm not Reinhard Bonnke, plunder hell, populate heaven, pastor art. I'm not that person. But something that God had purposed and planned for me was there because I just said, yes, 
I'm not going back to where I came from. I'm not a pastor anymore. I want to be a senior pastor of a church, but I'm not. So you're putting me out in evangelism out in the third world. <laughs> Come on, church. Come on, we're Christians. Christians are, uh, you know, is what so many people tick the box for in the census. But we're not just Christians, we're believers. We read the Word and we believe, therefore we believe and we obey and we step into what God has for us. These four lepers didn't know what they're doing, but they left where they were. They walked in the desert. The enemy had left. They'd routed the enemy and now they find themselves with all this possession. They're hiding it. And then suddenly they remembered, we just wanted life. We've got life. And this is where we come to the last part where they say, then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overcome us. It wasn't people in the walls. It was people who were outcasts, people who were the least likely to come through, people who seemingly had been persecuted their whole life, people who had a reason to say, I can't do anything. You don't know which family I came from. You don't know my background. You don't know what happened in my marriage. You don't know what the bankruptcy I faced in my business. I don't need to know, I know your God. And your God is just looking for someone who's available, who says, I'm not going back where I came from. I'm not gonna stay where I am and get set in my ways. gonna, if you say so God. To me, that video is just a video of me going, I've had to raise nearly $8 million. Today we have $1.5 million in our bank account. It's sort of strange because we can't spend it because we said we'd just give it all away. And then in other bank accounts, we don't have enough because we're thinking about ourselves. Mm, There might be something that God is doing in that. That He's saying, you let me have control and it'll be better for you than you being in control. Ah, we need to come to that place. So I want you as a church to stand. I want the band to come. And I just want to continue what I know God is already doing in people's spirits. You say, Neil, I I need to... (coughs) I want the story. I want the testimony. I get excited when I see a crowd like that or I hear of wheelchairs and people getting out of them. Churches growing. We planted our church in the middle of the pandemic in Papua New Guinea. Hadn't even been there until three weeks ago. Now there's 300 people meeting every Sunday already. Many of them first generation Christians, incredible stories. This one lady said, I heard that if you prayed, you could get a house my whole life. Four generations, we've never owned a house, so I've been praying. My boss comes up to me last week and said, I don't know why, but you've been doing some weird stuff. At, this is exact words. Weird stuff at, at work lately, like you cleaned my office out and you've been showing up early and you've been doing that for about six months. She said to me, Pastor Neil, I learned it in the discipleship course. And I thought, I'm not gonna apply it in church. I'm gonna apply it in my workplace. And I have, and he told me, you're doing something different. So he said, get in the car. We got in the car and we drove. In Moresby, the capital, there's not many new estates. Drives in and he owns properties. And she said, I thought I was going to, he was going to tell me how we had to clean this property before we sold it. Done it many times. Walk around and he says, what do you think? She said, yeah, it's a nice property. He said, how would you like to live here? She said, what do you mean? He said, I'm going to give you the keys and sign the deed over to you. Those little things you've been doing around in my office have so impacted me. 
that I think you need to be rewarded. Half a million dollar property for somebody who earns on average about $12,000 a year, gifted to her. Some of us are paying our half million dollar properties off our whole life. Imagine if we got a revelation of who He is. Rather than struggling with things we don't need to struggle with, we could step into what God has purposed for us. Why stay here? Why stay here? He's got something more for each one of us. I'm going to open the altar. I don't know what we're going to do next. I'm going to let Holy Spirit do it. But if there's a desire in you that says, I can't stay here. I can't just keep doing the same thing. I don't want to go back. And my mind wanders back real quickly as soon as stuff happens. I don't want to stay. God, I'm scared. Welcome. Welcome. Rather than being fearful of a disease, fearful of a virus, it's time for us to have a holy fear of the Lord. Step into what He has for us, because I tell you, where He is and these things will be added unto you. Four lepers, outcasts, go home and save their city because of their ability to step out of where they were and step into what God had for them. You say, that's me. God, use me. God, speak through me. Why don't you get out of your seat? Why don't we sing something, guys? Come on, you jump out of your seat. Don't wait for them to sing. You say, I'm hungry. God, would you do something in me, through me? 